Well, I believe it was a radical self-expression. I just called a friend one day and said, let's burn a man on the beach. Let's burn a man on the beach. Let's burn a man on the beach. Hey, I'm Steve Robbins. And I'm Evan Shulman. And this is Burning Man According, According to, to Us. Us, that's right. To the both of us sitting here today in March 2019, if you can believe it. And we're going to discuss the principle of the 10 principles called civic responsibility. The principle reads as follows. We value civil society. Community members who organize events should assume responsibility for public welfare and endeavor to communicate civic responsibilities to participants. They must also assume responsibility for conducting events in accordance with local, state, and federal laws. This is a far, far cry from anarchy, because a lot of people think that Burning Man is simply an anything-goes event, but this doesn't sound like anything goes. No, no, it doesn't. And um, as I was kind of doing a little bit of a uh, lit review, so to speak, on the principle, um, again, uh, for those maybe just joining the podcast, uh, journal.burningman.org is a great resource for a variety of uh, articles written over the years. Um, this one was by Larry Harvey, who by many is considered, you know, kind of the founder of Burning Man. Uh, and the article that he wrote uh, in 2013 was How the West Was Won, Anarchy Versus Civic Responsibility. So it's a Quite a long article, um, so I just pulled out a couple of the parts uh, from the beginning just to kind of help fodder our discussion. But uh, he writes, uh, you know, we started out on the beach, uh, the, the, the beach in San Francisco in 1986 as a small group of people that I came to call the latte carpenters. In other words, these were carpenters with a liberal arts education. So kind of that marriage of, uh, you know, hard manual labor and a desire to maybe create things with their hands, but also a liberal arts education and kind of understanding um, you know, maybe the nuances of history and philosophy and things like that. Uh, then three years later, uh, around 1989, members of the Cacophony Society turned up at our beach, Burns. And Cacophony was somewhat amorphous. It was a, quote, randomly gathered, uh, end quote, network of eccentrics united by a publicly distributed newsletter that always stated, you may already be a member. Anyone could do events. These were often pranks or might appropriate a feature of the urban landscape as a venue for a guerrilla theater. So contrasted to the latte carpenters that were kind of part of the uh, you know, original culture of Burning Man, you get the Cacophony Society, which has the words cacophony, guerrilla theater, um, pranks, uh, you know, randomly gathered network of eccentrics. So you kind of get that perhaps uh, chaos to perhaps the order of the latte carpenters. Um, and then he further goes on to write, and again, this is probably just the first page of a several blank scrolling article. Um, uh, he's, he writes, and yet for those of us who marched out into the Black Rock Desert in 1990, uh, when they moved from the beach to Black Rock Desert, there was an underlying irony awaiting us. You see, because there was no context in the desert apart from the context we created. We actually became the, and this is with a capital E, establishment as organizers of an event. So slowly, step by step, circumstances drove us to invent a government. Without intending to, we'd stumbled onto the principle of civic responsibility. And maybe this is the essential genius of Burning Man. Out of nothing, we created everything. So I, think, I just pulled that out because I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, go for it, Stephen. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we tend to forget is that all of these things like governments 
and civics um, and you know being part of society, etc. Um, these are all made up by human beings. Yeah, and that's right. And, you know, and one of the things too that that I miss because I there's a a friend of mine has this ironic response to people who are highly libertarian who believe that. Uh, uh, you know, who believe that completely unregulated unregulated markets are the way to go. Mm-hmm. And my friend points out, he says, if you look, every single advanced civilization in the world has has a high degree of regulation mm. in its markets. The market itself, the market for economic systems, has actually selected for economic systems that have a regulation. And by the way, you know, if you're really into it, uh, you discover that. Um, What's his name? Uh, uh, Adam Smith, the you know who's considered to be the person who kind of started all that, um, mm-hmm. or at least philosophically, and, and created the underpinnings for our, a lot of our modern economic systems. The wealth um, of nations, the, the uh, invisible hand of the market—that's all kind of his language. Yep. Yep. And one of the things that that he himself was a big proponent of regulation. He said that he said unfettered capitalism doesn't work. It has to be tempered by a degree of wealth redistribution. It has to be tempered by protection against people who abuse the system and who who have unequal knowledge, and therefore, by stint of their unequal knowledge, can do things like sell people snake oil when the the people when the customers believe they're buying medicine, but the person making it knows that they're just selling the stuff they scraped off the undercarriage of their car in liquid form and, and giving it to people. And I think that that really, that really says that once you've got a group of people in one place, and if they want to live together and function together in a way that is enriching to everyone involved, you really can't do it in a rulesless society you and maybe you can have minimal rules or maybe you can have meta rules but but it isn't a simple free for all yep and it's not a free for all in our daily lives and it's not a free for all at black rock city either that's right yeah and 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 um again in that article uh which we'll post it in the show notes but uh he does go on to kind of talk about how you know some people would say oh let's just start with some very simple rules and see what emerges from there but kind of as a you know, especially a, a city increases in its complexity. Um, on the one hand, yes, maybe those simple rules would uh, allow for you know certain kind of norms and behaviors to continue on uh, in a in a decently respected way by all members that are um, you know consenting to join this city and, and create this community. But on the other hand, you know, some some larger questions might come up, especially when it comes to if we go back to the uh, you know, language from the principle around um, public welfare, right? So thinking about, you know, well, what is really serving most of us uh, in, in the best way possible, even if it perhaps curtails some of the freedoms or liberties that an individual may have. The, the one example that kind of came up in, in the article was uh, guns, because yeah, in the past, it was a big empty desert. There wasn't that much organization and people just were, you know, loading their guns and firemen off in different directions. And an early question became, hey, uh, as you know, it gets a little bit more uh, populated and um, as uh, the weather here maybe makes it hard to see who is in the distance behind a dust storm, maybe you want to think about not just firing your gun at any particular point in time. Um, and that was sort of the sort of the early conversations around this tension between, hey, what do we what do we think we as a community are okay with happening here at this event? And what are we maybe less okay with? Um, and I guess an interesting side note as well is that uh, I think like, I don't know what this is exactly called, maybe like an unofficial tagline um, that I've heard around Burning Man is safety third. 
right? So consider one, consider two, and then safety third. So that maybe is um, a more modern interpretation of this this struggle of, yeah, like it's not exactly safe here, but we, we still do keep it in mind. And by the way, I as much as I have heard the phrase safety third, the reality is a tremendous amount of time and effort at this point goes into safety because among other things, Burning Man is subject to state and federal laws, the Bureau of Land Management, insurance costs, et cetera. And they have to provide certain things in order for this to be a viable event. And they have to have certain assurances of safety. Last year, there was a piece of art that was about a six or seven story pile of cars that had been threaded on this giant needle-like thing. So just imagine a bunch of crushed up cars, not even crushed up, but just sort of abandoned looking cars threaded on a needle going up six, about six stories tall. And then at the very top, there was a room that you could climb up into. And it, you were perfectly welcome to climb up the cars, just however you could get up there and get into this thing at the top. However, if you slipped, you would have been in, in deep doo-doo because you could have slipped from high enough and you could have hit protruding metal pieces on the cars on your way down, you probably could have certainly damaged yourself pretty severely, if not killed yourself. And at one point, apparently one of the cars, someone was climbing up over it, and it slipped down a bit on the spire. So it actually was structurally unstable. And hmm. they made they, they put that off down, limits. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. said, okay, no more climbing on this one. And yep. That is a civic decision on the part of the people who were – I don't know if it was on the part of the of Burning Man itself or if it was on the part of just the people whose project it was. But that was a decision that was essentially saying we value and take responsibility for the public welfare. And as much fun as, as you, Mr. Mountain Climber, anarchist, might have climbing up a pile of cars that you know to be unstable and might fall over – we're not interested in providing that opportunity for you in a way that is likely to kill or hurt you. Yep. And and you know, I'm I mean, I've I certainly know people who would say, Oh, you're restricting my freedom by not giving me the opportunity to do that. But I'm kind of like, well, you can bring your own pile of cars. Yeah. And and stack them up and have them not be well anchored and climb them. Like there's a right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a valid point. And this also makes me think of, you know, the the bartender who probably has a legal obligation, but also like a, you know, hey, if you're a regular um, you know, guest at my at my bar, uh, I'm gonna cut you off at some point if I think, you know, you're gonna become a danger to yourself or others. Um and this also this kind of perhaps guardianship is the wrong word, but you know, if we think of the Burning Man community and the people that become denizens or citizens of Black Rock City for a week each year. Um, and I guess we could debate if, you know, technically they're still denizens or citizens when they leave the playa. Um, but it, it, it really is a community, right? And we, we do look after each other, even if we might have, uh, you know, disagreements about particular ways of doing things or things like that. Um, but, but another way that Burning Man kind of uh, instantiates this is through its rangers, right? So that's another piece that came up in this article um, was how kind of rangers came about, which was we should probably have some type of people that just keep an eye on things, right? And many people, I think Larry Harvey himself in the article writes like, oh, that was kind of our first version of a police force. Um, but it was less about policing and more just like giving people a role that says, hey, like, keep an eye and make sure people are all right, right? Because they're not a law enforcement uh, mechanism. Um, and in fact, at Burning Man today, uh, rangers are not law enforcement. There's separate law enforcement for uh, the state, 
um, Bureau of Land Management rangers or, or agents um, that kind of patrol for uh, legal issues, um, especially uh, for one example, let's say maybe there's a sexual assault, right? We want to be able to report that to the appropriate authorities. But the rangers themselves, Black Rock Rangers, are more a way that the city kind of created this role of, hey, let's have some people who volunteer their time as part of them participating to keep an eye on things and kind of act as a uh, go between uh, between law enforcement and the individuals. Well, you could um, almost think of them. You could almost think of them as as civic responsibility educators in some way. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I want to contrast these because I am a ranger, not at Burning Man, but at Firefly, which is the regional burn in Vermont. So it's run according to the ten principles, but it's a different event. And at, at Firefly, one of the things that we are, I, and one of the things that we emphasize as rangers is we have no authority. The only authority that we have is our, is, is our, basically our social capital. Mm -hmm. And our job is not to tell people that they're wrong. I mean, if they're doing something illegal, we, we may tell, we may point that out to them. And we may also then point it out to the people to, to, to any law enforcement that we have around, if we think this is something mm -hmm. that needs to be stopped, um, but but our job is more getting people to think about the civic responsibility that they're involved. Nice. Get them to think yeah. about, um, and there's a big education component to that too. It's like, hey, you've left this fire pit unattended right beneath some trees that have <laughs> you know dried branches in the middle of a mm -hmm. forest. Um, uh, you know, do what do you think about that? <laughs> and and how how quickly do they realize uh, the, the the juxtaposition there of a flame with a tree? Right. Well, one of the things that we have that we certainly have done at Firefly, and you know, this is also clearly part of the thing at Burning Man is there are certain things that are genuine rules, and one of them is that we are on someone else's land, we are holding an event. And any one of the so one of the boundaries, and this is really a, an expression of civic responsibility, that anything you do that endangers our ability to hold the event, like burning down the forest, or <laughs> you know, or crimes, or things like that, anything that that someone does that actually endanger the existence of the event itself, are simply considered off limits. And this is not an attempt to be the man. This is a recognition that. That, that any type of gathering of people in a community does come with constraints. It comes with ways that people want the community to unfold, and that's going to mean boundaries. And mm -hmm. we can have different boundaries for different groups, but at the, in the case of Burning Man, the boundary, one of the boundaries itself actually is we expect people to look out for other people. And this is weird mm -hmm. because we have this principle called radical self-reliance, mm -hmm. too, so how do you think about the interaction? Like, like on one hand, I'm supposed to be looking out for other people, but on the other hand, the other people are all supposed to be radically self-reliant. I mean, how does that work? Yeah, I mean, I think that gets to a larger philosophical question around, you know, individualism versus collectivism, right? And uh, these things don't exist in their own vacuums. Uh, they're kind of interconnected, interdependent. And as much as we have our own conscious self-agency around ourselves and uh, perhaps the actions we choose to take, uh, not not going down the rabbit hole of do we even have free will? We'll save that for maybe another <laughs> podcast. But uh, assuming that you know we we have some uh, conscious uh, choices that we make for ourselves, um, 
and then we have to understand that we don't make those choices in a vacuum and that it is in concert with or in dance with um, those those people around us and the environment around us. I mean, this connects to the leave no trace principle, which I don't think we've gotten into yet, but the idea that, yeah, we, we are on land that is quote unquote not ours um, and we have to be respectful of it, especially if we want to sustain being able to use this land uh, over time for many more years to come. And so it's this constant... Uh, I would almost say like checking oneself or, or really being mindful of, hey, how are my actions in this moment affecting my experience? Because I'm creating my experience right now in terms of what I choose to participate in, uh, what I choose to, you know, when I choose to sleep or eat or who I'm, you know, going to go explore the playa with. And this is also true, you know, obviously uh, not at Black Rock City. Um, and then at the same time, how can I be mindful of how my actions are impacting those around me or be mindful of my environment? Um, so, so I definitely see there's, yeah, there's agency, there's mindfulness, there's conscious choice that's being made and just being aware of how that exists on the individual level as well as the collective. All right. Um, quiz time. Uh, okay. Uh, so I'm going to take out my TI-83 calculator. Yes. Oh, well done. Um, so here, here's the quiz. I was, I was staying at a camp where a couple of the camp members were people who've been going to Burning Man since the early 90s, if not the late 80s. So they were there long okay. before this became an event that had things like Bureau of Land Management or, frankly, that paid any attention to the law <laughs> because, mm -hmm. you know, they were just a bunch of random people out in the desert. And yep. they tell a story about how one day, obnoxious person number one decided that they really wanted to drive their truck around and make a lot of noise. And they thought it would be really just so much fun to go back and forth around the playa, and in particular, right around the camp, uh, as people were trying to sleep, and just rev their engine and make all kinds of fun noise. Oh, so an early version of a mutant vehicle, but instead of music, just uh, the music of car parts. Gotcha, okay. Exactly. So um, uh, what happened was those people who were being kept awake by this car they kept zipping back and forth waited until the owner of the car went to sleep they then descended on the car with wrenches and screwdrivers and all kinds <laughs> of, of fun other things and reduced the car to a small pile of parts which they wow. then scattered around the playa <laughs> now civic responsibility <laughs> Um, it's slightly unclear to me whether mm -hmm. who, who was being civically, I mean, actually, to be fair, this is how civic responsibility gets negotiated that, mm. you know, you decide, oh, haha, it's going to be fun for me to exercise my radical self-expression and, and make a lot of loud noise for people at people. Yeah. And then those people, they exercise their radical self-expression uh, by taking my car apart <laughs> and hiding it and hiding the pieces around the playa uh, right. from from me. So I you know, so it's it's interesting, but you can look at that not just as, oh my God, isn't that like funny and a hoot, but that's the way that these kinds of norms actually get established. Is they get established mm. because people do one thing and uh, and the other, and people say, oh man, that sucks, or oh, that was wonderful. And then at the end of the day, it becomes obvious that, okay, there are consequences to actions, and one of mm -hmm. the consequences to, to driving 
through the middle of the playa waking people up is that your car may get disassembled and scattered throughout. <laughs> and right. it never becomes like I as far as I know, there's no there's neither a principle nor is there any particular um uh, there's neither a principle nor is there any particular uh, guideline that says do not ride your car through other people's camps and do not disassemble people's cars. But that's the sort of thing that his his de facto been worked out and the civic responsibility I would claim at this point is understood to be that you you express a certain level of respect for other people or else uh, you know things may happen that you don't like right yeah and I think if we um, go back to uh, metaphors around you know Burning Man as a playground uh, and the the people that show up there as kind of a, a larger community, it's, you know, what, how can we be respectful of those in the community and on the playground, right? Like you're always maybe going to have like the playground bully or someone who's just trying to troll people. Uh, Cause they, that, you know, that's fun for them. Um, and maybe the, 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 um, not litmus test, but the gradient between troll and prankster, uh, you know, is, is very fine or granular. I'm not sure. Uh, and certainly, you know, artists are, you know, can be considered provocateurs and helping people to think about something from a different way. And they're, you know, trying to help, you know, change people's consciousness in a certain way. So it's, it's very multivariated. And, um, I think that, uh, yeah, to your point, ultimately at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, actions have consequences and just you know, be aware of that. Um, so one of the, one of the, the action consequence pairs that I find fascinating because I was part of a big online discussion about this is the notion of dark wads. Right. And a dark wad is somebody who goes out onto the playa at night without any sort of light source on them. Mm -hmm. And for those of us, and I know I spent most of my time riding a bicycle, but from the perspective of people who are riding bikes and people who are driving art cars, when you run into a dark wad, um, I mean, you run into a dark wad, and I guess that's the problem, is you can't see them, and so you're right on top of them, because there's very little ambient light. It, although there's a lot of light from art pieces, it's not like the kind of light of, of a city that just gets everywhere. Uh, if you get too far away from an art piece, it becomes pretty dark. And what happens is that is that you can't see them, so you run the risk of hitting them. Now, if you're in an art car and you hit them, oh well, they're dead. And that has certainly happened. And, um, mm. and I mean, I believe it's happened fatally. I think two years ago, a, a woman was, was hit by an art car. Um, and that's one of the risks you take when you go to Burning Man. And by the way, if you're wandering around at night with no light and you're being a dark wad, frankly, you shouldn't be surprised that you're taking that risk. It's, I think it's common sense. So in the online discussion of this, However, which was a very heated discussion, there was an entire contingent of people, primarily people that have been going to Burning Man for quite a while, whose attitude was, gosh darn it, I'm going to be a dark wad if I want to, and if someone hits me, well, that's just too bad. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your thoughts on this with respect to civic responsibility? Because I, I, I kind of go back and forth, because I'm like, you know, if, if you get hit by a car... Kind of like, unless you actually ruin the bumper of the car, in which case I think you should have to pay for it. Uh, you know, like, like I don't know what, yeah. what, 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 how do dark wads fit into your, your, <laughs> your philosophical uh, schema? That, that's a that's a great question. I th I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is you know I I used the word troll a moment ago and even dark wad, but you know at the end of the day, I think 
one thing to do is reframe it as, you know, everyone's a human that shows up to this and the choices that they make seem to define them and they might get a different label thrown at them. But, um, you know, this person who, this human person who chooses not to wear lights, like I recognize that as a choice that they're willing to make. And I would just hope that it's communicated clearly to them that not only do they understand the risks to themselves, but also to others, because not only could there be property damage to a car that hits them, but um, other people in the car could be injured. Um, uh, you know, it might take a while to uh, repair from the trauma of running someone over and like, you know, killing them unintentionally, if you have the best of intentions, but it just happened that way because someone chose to not wear lights. So I mean, these are these questions that we ask about the playa, and I think this is why Burning Man is so powerful and why you and I talk about this, Steve, is they really do have, I think, profound philosophical implications for daily life, right? Because for civic responsibility, Black Rock City isn't the only city out there that struggles with someone uh, choosing not to take some type of safety measure for themselves and others, right? There's people that choose to drive while intoxicated or choose to not wear a seatbelt or... Um, all of these are just anchored around transportation now. I guess transportation is the most riskiest thing in a city. Um, but but I think it yeah it comes back to I'm just looking at the the, the words in the um, the principle again. But you know it's staking that we value civil society. Uh, so this means probably we value a society that is constantly navigating between the individual choices and a collective uh, value benefits. Um, and community members who organize events should assume responsibility for public welfare. So in that sense, the responsibility is to an endeavor to communicate civic responsibility. So it's communicating and educating and, I guess, ideally uh, prioritizing public welfare um, over individuals, let's say. Um, and yeah, the dark wad, the, the, the human who chooses not to wear lights, and so we will call them a dark wad uh, because of a cultural norm to try and shame them into not choosing that uh is is a tricky one because it it's that's just one example of, of many where that tension exists. well and i guess i guess part of the beauty i don't know if that, was a fair answer, if that answered your quiz <laughs> I, i'm not sure either i think part of the beauty of burning man is is it it's not anarchy it doesn't just say oh everyone show up and and just selfishly selfishly do whatever you want to do it says you know what show up being self-reliant and yet at the same time being willing to gift things and help other people show up, show up, assuming that no one will take responsibility for you, but yet being prepared for you to help take responsibility for others. And on one right. hand, people go, "Oh, isn't that paradoxical? Isn't that a contradiction?" And I would submit it's not actually a contradiction. What it is, it's saying both of these are important in our daily lives. We have reached certain balances through our institutions of law, through our codification of different societal norms, and these things change generation by generation and court case by court case. Yeah. Um, but it is, but at Burning Man, they there are some things that that are fixed, but but there's many, many, many places where those balances are different at Burning Man than they are in daily life. And there's a lot of room for negotiation and for experimentation and for trying it out and saying, hey, you know, instead of civic responsibility, meaning waiting at the crosswalk until the light turns green or something, civic responsibility mm -hmm. means, means something about being lit at night. However, because even though we say we want to be lit at night, we also recognize that there's some self-reliance here and there's some things about taking responsibility for your own actions. 
And when you put all of this into the mix, you end up in a world where maybe it's okay to walk across the street against the light, understanding that you have to accept the consequences if something goes wrong, and also understanding that even if you're willing to accept the consequences, there may be ancillary damage. And ultimately, instead of there being a law that says, oh, you get arrested if you jaywalk, and by the way, I was watching this right. documentary that said that jaywalking was ac actually had nothing to do with safety and everything to do with General Motors trying to figure out a way to turn streets from social spaces into car-exclusive spaces. That, that's another story. <laughs> um, but rather uh -huh. than having firm rules, what you have is an acknowledgement of the tension, an acknowledgement that we want all of these things at the same time, and... Therefore, yep. you think, hopefully, you think about it some more and you try different balances. And maybe one night you want to go out as a dark wad. My first night, I didn't even know what dark wads were. And I went out as a dark wad and very quickly, very quickly noticed, hmm, someone may run me over. Hmm, that would be bad for me and for them right. too. And, you know, for everyone's safety, I should wear lights. And then I invented my really cool net light thing that I've never been able to reproduce. <laughs> but, um, uh, well, and and then to the crossing the street metaphor too. Like we're not saying you know follow all authoritative signs and figures at all times, right? Like maybe if it says don't walk, but there's obviously no cars around, like you know have at it, whether there's a law or not, right? Uh, I'm not necessarily condoning illegal behavior in this statement, just for anyone out there who's on the legal technicalities. Um, but but to a similar point, and we may have talked about this on another episode, but you know if you want to have an experience of not wearing lights, perhaps just consider doing it in a place that doesn't have a lot of traffic, like maybe at the very, very, very edge of the perimeter where there's a fence and you should be able to see any incoming <laughs> vehicles. Um, so you can still get that experience, uh, but but not endanger uh, your, yourself and others, right? So it's, it's, it's in many ways context-based, um, and that context is your local environment, local conditions, and the choices that you make within that local right. environment and then, conditions. Then and you're going to meet. Then you're going to okay. meet Bill, the art car driver, who thinks it's cool to go out to the farthest trash fence and drive the art car with no lights because, of course, yeah. it's safe. Who am I possibly going to hit out here? And well, you know, <laughs> welcome to Burning Man. Maybe, maybe. Maybe just like a free speech zone, there will be a light, uh, light pollution free zone, and uh, no art cars with lights or you know, no no vehicles can enter it. I don't know. Maybe maybe that will be an art project that someone can pick up. I, hey, I speaking that of that, but, actually, um, that that brings up a really, uh, I think, a really salient point, which is one of the things that I know drove me nuts two years ago at Burning Man was that every time I went to look at some beautiful piece of art that had beautiful music playing, like Native American drumming or some gorgeous string quartet, a giant art car playing EDM at 500,000 decibels would just come up next to him and be and I'm just like, excuse me, you're drowning out the art. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that there is a civic responsibility thing there that the art cars aren't paying close attention to, but that is nevertheless, mm. I think, quite real. Because they're, in some sense, destroying the ability of people to enjoy other people's art. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, I don't know if there's a, a formal policy around it, but I think the temple, right, is often regarded as a very sacred, quiet place. Um, and I don't think I have ever seen an art car go up and start blasting, like, dance music in the middle of the temple. And if they did, even if there wasn't a, you know, zone that said, hey, art cars can't approach the temple, they would get quite the social backlash, I would imagine, for doing that. And so, um, yeah, I think it's uh, interesting to think about the, the contextual areas in, in you know, physical space that 
um, people should be considering uh, their actions. Just being more mindful. I, I don't know. For me, I'm on this mindfulness kick where it's like, if everyone was just a little bit more in tune with the present moment and their actions and their environment, like the world would be a better place. Um, but that's not a panacea. Panacea? I don't know how to say that word. Uh, panacea. Panacea. There you go. See, I'm not mindful with my speech. Um, <laughs> the other the other example I was going to give is, um, and maybe we've talked about this on another episode, but if if you've never been to Burning Man and you know this year is the first time you go or whenever you get out there, go to Center Camp because there's beautiful things happening there. Uh, we talked with um, Maher or Random from uh, Census Camp. So again, part of a civic society, there's like a census that happens. But the example I'm going to give is the lost and found. Okay, this is, uh, uh, if my local municipality had this lost and found, like it would be, I think, a brilliant government service. Um, but basically, it's a group of volunteers uh, who are just really interested in helping people get their stuff back if they lose it. And they iterate on this thing year after year. And I remember talking to someone who was uh, staffing there. I didn't lose anything. I just stumbled in to just check it out. And basically, you know, I think it's mainly a group of people in the Bay Area of California. Um, some people drive like three hours once a month or however often they meet to go to this in-person meeting and talk about how they can make the system better. Uh, but this is a group of people who said, hey, people are going to lose stuff. And how can we make that experience better? And it's kind of like a service offered by the city where you go to Lost and Found and they have all these um, monitors uh, lined up with pictures that people have taken and tagged everything that comes into the Lost and Found. And if you lose something, you can very quickly sift through all the pictures and try and find your thing. And they have like a fast track lane if you were able to find it and uh, a non-fast track lane if you're not. So uh, in terms of you know civic society and just understanding the you know experiences of people within living within a city, um, that's a group of people who said, you know, maybe we don't have a responsibility to provide this, but it's certainly a gift and a way that we want to give back to, uh, people's experiences. And I just thought it was a beautiful example of kind of a, a civic service that's being provided by, um, by other people for something as, as simple, but yet, you know, almost like a splinter in your finger of losing something. Well, you know, that even, that even to me triggers on a lot of other questions. I was recently having a discussion with somebody. I think there's a bunch of very, very toxic assumptions that in modern society we make about human beings. And in particular, we take what are our cultural norms and mentally decide that because there are cultural norms, therefore, therefore all people are that way. And in this case, the lost and found is amazing. They take pictures of everything. They have it all. Uh, do they have, they have it on the searchable on a laptop, right? Yeah, I think, uh, I didn't use the system, but I just saw like rows and rows of, of uh, monitors that people could like sort through to figure out, you know, what, what items there's, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of cool stuff. And the thing that, one of the things that I've heard people say, for example, is, oh, you know, without being paid, no one would have any incentive to do anything and no one would ever do anything. And how do you get people to undertake large, complex operations you know, without pay or without capitalism or without an autocrat dictating or whatever. And the answer is human beings are fundamentally creators as a species. Mm -hmm. And these people aren't doing this because they're being paid or because someone told them to do it or because they want to go public someday. They're doing it because they're like, hey, we can do something for our society. We can do something better for the group that makes it better for all of us. So what the heck? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to get too deeply into that because that's really only tangentially related to Burning Man. But I think that part of civic responsibility is making Burning Man a place where we can not just fulfill 
not just fulfill our desire to go to this cool event, but actually meet some of our desires that have to do with with our innate desire to help other people and to create things that make our community and our tribe and the the place that we live a better, more secure, safe, fun, awesome place where lost things can be found. Yeah. Perhaps oneself whose lost can be found at these uh Ooh, you're getting deep. You're getting deep, dude. Um, in fact, deep enough that we should probably wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I know the one of the last things we want to talk about, just in terms of um, civic responsibility as well, is uh, we're doing this episode in uh, March of 2019. Uh, TBD when it will be published out there, and you guys, will, girls, and whomever out out there will be listening to it. But a um, couple things in about a year or a little under then, uh, at least in the U.S., there will be the primaries, right? So that will be an opportunity for kind of extending this principle of civic responsibility, perhaps out into the uh, governmental landscape outside the playa. And um, similarly, touching on uh, federal policy, at least here in the U.S., Burning Man does take place in the Black Rock Desert, which is in Nevada, and which is technically on Bureau of Land Management, uh, I guess, sectioned off land. Uh, and very interestingly enough, again, um, it, uh, we have to get a permit or the uh, BM uh, org, I shouldn't say we, but the uh, Burning Man org uh, that kind of runs and, and does all the logistics has to get a permit from the Bureau of Land Management in order to put on this event on Bureau of Land Management land. And very interestingly, in the last week, um, BM org put out a blog post uh, because right now they are in, I think, a one or two month review period where the Bureau of Land Management has done a, I think, environmental analysis as well as a couple other things, but they're basically doing all their due diligence in order to issue the permit. Uh, and of course, there are some tensions there where BM org feels like some of the suggestions made by BLM, uh, the federal government agency, to, um, you know, in order to get your permit, you need to do A, B, and C, uh, many other things. Um, so, you know, BM org is contesting that, right? And uh, they're actually asking uh, people from the Burning Man community to uh, write a public comment to BLM to explain uh, their particular perspectives, pro or con, for some of these ideas. And they're not providing a template. They're not, you know, obviously they're saying, you know, what what BM org feels um, should be on the list or off the list. Uh, but they are asking for civic participation in terms of getting the people who benefit from or enjoy or value uh, this this beautiful platform that you've said, Stever, for everything that it can create for us um, to continue to exist in this particular location. And so, um, yeah, I just think it's kind of a, a meta perspective of this aspect of civic participation and, um, yeah, thinking through the positions that are being brought forward and, you know, uh, arguing with the BLM about what they what what you personally think as an individual should be required in order for the for the permit. Yeah, well, and and uh, hopefully people will do their civic responsibility and. And right in, because the whole other half of civic responsibility that we really haven't talked about is does the if if we have a responsibility to the larger community, just the larger community, that being the Burning Man organization or the or just participants who are part of the culture, do they have a responsibility to us mm -hmm. as individuals? You know, it's a is it's a two way street. I don't think it works to just say, oh, everybody, everyone has to be maximally responsible to you know everyone has to be willing to be responsible for the health of the of the civic the or the civilization or whatever i, I don't actually know <laughs> i don't know what i mean but what the right word is but mm -hmm. uh community um but also the community needs to be responsible to us because i know with the bureau of land management 
uh, situation, it is felt by a number of people that uh, that the BLM's requests are kind of uh, kind of over the top at times. And mm-hmm. I know a few years ago there was actually a scandal that I believe resulted in somebody being fired from the BLM, or at least not be having them removed from the jurisdiction of Burning Man, in which they wanted like a million dollar compound and catered meals and things for the BLM representatives, which was mm. just ridiculous. I mean, right. Yeah. You know, com- completely out of line, no justification for it other than, oh, Burning Man appears to be getting really big and has all this money so we can use it to get a free trip to Burning Man in, in extreme luxury. So mm-hmm. I think that there is, even as we need to act in good faith vis-a-vis the civilization and community we're part of, I do think that there is a role that says the in return, the civilization and the community that we're part of probably also has some responsibilities to us. And in the case of Burning Man, um, you know, I, I I think those responsibilities are intentionally intentionally minimal in some ways. I think it's more to create a, an environment, et cetera. But it would be interesting for us to just explore that topic at some point. Yeah. And just you know, say what? What does Burning Man owe us? What can we expect from it? But that's for another time. Thank you so much for joining me, yeah, and or for us joining each other. <laughs> and um, uh, uh, those of you who are listening, um, this is we are Burning Man according to us. I'm Steve Robbins, and I'm Evan Shulman. And we hope that you find these ideas at least intriguing or interesting, or if not entertaining while you're on the Stairmaster and maybe we can tell you some jokes or give you some tricks to meet the romantic partner or partners of your dreams, yeah. <laughs> which has nothing to do with this. But if this isn't doing it for you, maybe we can go We're open else. to ideas. We are, we are <laughs> responsibly civic to our little small community here that we're building through a podcast. Exactly. exactly. All right. All Thanks right. a lot. Uh, take care, everyone. And we'll see you back soon. <laughs>